You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Kim Grinolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Day six, Fall Camp 2022. This is our last last practice that we will be able to see. Open practice on Sunday. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, um, you know, just news coming out of today. You can't get real in depth about it. They don't like us talking about injuries. But uh, MJ Ali suffered a leg injury and. He was carted off back to the medical facilities, and when do we deal with Coach DeBoer on Saturday? Yes. I'm sure we'll get an update Saturday. by Saturday on MJ Ole. You would um, hope so. <laughs> yeah, we'll hope so. But like I said, just not a lot we can say except that uh, he suffered a leg injury, and we'll uh, see how bad it is a little bit later. But uh, first day, full pads on, so a lot of the time that doesn't mean a whole lot, but uh, they actually introduced some contact today, Scott. Yeah, yeah, um, and we <laughs> you didn't mention the fact that we had to go inside. Oh, well, yeah, I forgot uh, about know, that. Because there was lightning in the yeah, area. You're the one so. that always usually gets <laughs> the weather forecast. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. it, was, it was kind of kind of a weird, weird feel, day today. feeling out there because yeah. it was warm, cold, and you could just feel something yeah. off, was so, off in the air. But there was lightning in the area, so we went inside to the Dempsey. Yeah, to the Dempsey, so we didn't get the bird's eye view like we usually get during practice well and what was ironic was that i went to get the bird's eye view because it did start to rain uh-huh. the rain the last couple times has been more like just big drops a drop it's here like and there a drop yeah. here and there but it's like okay is it is it coming or not coming so i moved all the way under cover and literally 10 minutes after that they just all started walking walking in, in. Yeah. and i was like okay here we go yeah so then obviously uh we put it in the in the practice thread and people were telling us that there was a, a squall or something coming through West Seattle, whatever. There was thunder and lightning mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So I don't, I don't. We didn't hear any thunder and lightning, nope. but we certainly got plenty of rain. And uh, even when you could see from the indoor facility. So. As long as we don't have a cow situation this year, I think they should go right into the Dempsey to finish playing. <laughs> if they have a cow situation <laughs> like we did, <laughs> Cal 2019. But um, as far as the practice, um, really, it was interesting because they actually did a lot more red zone stuff. And, um, you know, uh, they, the guys threw, threw the ball really well. I thought the receivers were getting open. The DBs were playing some good. It was a good battle back and forth most of the day. We talked yesterday about Michael Panix maybe taking a step forward and separating himself a little bit. And I was really curious to see, you know, if that had anything to do with the way they ran practice. But did Michael Panix, you know, um, solidify that number one spot today? Or are we still up in the air a little bit? I don't know if there's any solidification coming, but I definitely think he continues to take steps forward. Dylan Morris actually had a good practice, I thought, and Sam had, had some really good throws and made some really good good reads as well. Um, I do think all of them are taking steps forward, but if, again, if I was predicting who is going to be the starter on for Kent State, I still think it's Michael Penix, but I don't think this is a done deal by any stretch of the imagination yet. Yeah, I I think in their minds that they want it to be Michael Penix, but I'm not sure that he has really separated himself enough, and I think the other guys are right on his heels is what it looks like to me. Well, I know we'll talk more in depth about who we spoke with after practice today, but just in, in, in just the general feeling that I got talking to both Sam Heward and Dylan Morris today was that they're, they're very much like one play at a time, one practice at a time. 
we're not getting ahead of it. They'll tell us when they've made a decision, but until then, we're just going about it like it's a competition and, and we all have an equal opportunity. So, And I thought all had moments today where they, where they did some interesting stuff because it was full pads. This is the first time where we really saw a lot of legitimate red zone stuff, and, and that's where I thought they, they all had some moments, but there wasn't one quarterback that I thought was clearly the best head and shoulders yeah. above the mm-hmm. rest. I don't know. I mean, you track this stuff a lot better than I do, Chris. Uh, um, Not when it's inside. No, no. <laughs> it's uh, very difficult to no, do it inside. No, but um, as far as interceptions thrown, Michael Penix has probably thrown the least amount of interceptions. Probably, I, you know, just yeah. If I had to, if I had to really think about it very quickly, yeah, probably. Okay. Um, I know, I know, Sam's thrown a bunch. I thought Sam definitely had the back-to-back ones uh, early in, in early in the like either practice two, practice three, something like that. Um, I think Dylan had maybe one where he was trying to throw back into the middle. Um, there hasn't, honestly, there hasn't been a ton. I know the ones that Devon Banks has done. I think he, what he's got three so far. Yeah, three picks, in, three? three picks in four days, I think. Yeah, yeah. so I know his have stood out. Um, but generally speaking, I don't think there's really been a ton of turnovers. Um, the o- there's only been that one fumble with Penix that I can remember. That was really more on the center at that time. And I don't remember if it was Luciano or Mele or, or one of the other guys. Would you, would you agree with the statement that of the three quarterbacks, Michael Penix is probably the most conservative and takes the least amount of chances? No, mm. I wouldn't say that. I my, I think if anything, yeah. I I would say the one, I would say Dylan Morris still has a bit of the gunslinger in him. I don't yeah. think you're going to get that away from him. But again, I always go back to what Steve Sarkeesian used to say about quarterbacks. He's he will live with a certain number of mistakes if he knows that the kids. He called it the stinger. stinger yeah. If their stinger is worth it, like if you you don't want to take the stinger away from a kid. If that's what makes him special, that was Brett Favre, basically. Yeah, and yeah. so and so they, they um, you know what what sometimes makes Dylan special is that he can really extend plays, and he might extend plays better out of those three quarterbacks than anybody. That said, he can also run into problems from time to time, and that's where he's got to be real careful about that. Yeah, I thought the one today where you know I always talk about him you know, relying on the fastball, and I think you guys were at the other end, but I was down there pretty close on the, where the ball went through Jack West over his hands, mm-hmm. you know, and Jack had two steps on the guy, and it just needed to be laid in there, but he threw the Randy Johnson fastball, and it went right through his hands, and yeah, Westover should have caught it, but he can make it a little bit easier by not having that fastball all the True. time, True. Well, I, you're right. We were, I, I don't know about you, Scott. Yeah. I was was on the far end of that, but I saw it because yeah. I saw the line that it was yeah. going right down. I'm sorry, but in Jack Westover's reaction physically was like, yeah, that was on me. Yeah. Well, so you got to you got to catch those balls. You got to catch the ball, but you got to also I, throw. I get it. Ball, I get exactly know? what you're saying, Kim, that, and you're 100 percent right because it's on the quarterback to make sure that it's a catchable ball. But that being said, every time they watch that, they're going to say, if that goes through your hands as a receiver, that's your job to catch it. Yeah. And, and anytime you think that the guy's open. That's usually when the guy will, the defender will flash right in front, yeah, and yeah. make. So, I totally get where he feels like he's really got to fit something in yeah. there, even if his eyes are telling him that well, it's open. Dylan also had um, on. It was a broken coverage, obviously, but that what seventy yarder or whatever it was. Yeah, to, to Dunsey. Yeah, Dunsey. That was he also, still a great play. Yeah, that was, he, yeah. I'll tell you the, the deep throws today. Even against air when they were still in Husky Stadium, I thought they looked yeah. very good. Yeah, this was maybe the one practice where I think they've stood out. 
throwing not just deep balls against air, but also yeah. in, in uh, well, that one was situation. That one was kind of against air because you know, he, he still, he still yeah. got to complete it. Yeah, and and I said I was talking to a parent on the sideline, not Dylan's parent, but uh, I was talking to a parent on the sideline, and I said, I said there are broken coverages all the time in football, but the co- the quarterbacks don't see it. So even though it's a broken play or a broken coverage. He still had to see it and make the throw. And there's times when you see guys wide open that get overthrown, and that didn't happen this time. And again, he's he's also had many situations where I'm sure his eyes are thinking, "Oh, that guy's wide yeah. open." And then they throws it, and next thing you know, he, yeah. there's double coverage or there's yeah. something that you know you get they get bracketed yeah. or something. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, you know, and that's where you know the chalk talks, understanding what the coverage should be doing, understanding. If they do something, this is how we've got to react. Mm-hmm. The, the point counterpoint type thing. So. Yeah, just a couple of things. A couple of the plays that stood out to me because I was just right there where it happened. Uh, Sam threw a 50-50 ball. He had uh, Taj Davis and Eliza Jackson really going at it. And uh, boy, either one of them could have got the ball, but it came down with mm-hmm. Taj Davis down to about the five to ten yard line. And then on the next play. Um, Sam was looking for Devin Culp in the end zone, and he was blanketed again by Elijah Jackson, who had great coverage. Sam got under pressure, ducked out of the pressure, was still looking for Devin, and then all of a sudden, uh, Taj Davis kind of flashed, and he just just instantaneously just won yeah. it for a touchdown to He Taj. did that. He, I saw yeah. that one. Um, Michael Penix also had the same kind of throw to Taj Davis in that corner. Both lefties, <laughs> so it looked like the same, almost the but same kind of pass. If that's the touchdown I'm thinking, that's the one against Vince Nunley. Yeah, Vince Nunley, yep. Yeah. And- Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Nunley, he is playing really well. He's, he's playing well. He's, he's getting, getting a lot, lot of reps. He's yeah. getting a lot of reps. So. They're, they're, one thing we, we, we can talk about is that because um, people were asking us, is Asa Turner hurt? Is, are they... They're for they're really kind of running their duos on the edges mm-hmm. pretty consistently. Like they, I think they like to run Powell and Perryman together. They like to run Elijah Jackson and Devon Banks together. They like to run those. But when it comes to the safeties, they're rolling all sorts of different combos yeah. there. I remember seeing. I think during the initial team period today, it was Cameron Williams and, and Julius Earth. And then you'll see some where Alex Cook is in there with a, with a Vincent Nunley. Mm-hmm. Or you'll see Turner in there with Mikel Steen, for instance. Mm-hmm. They are rolling. And I think it sometimes has to do with the fact that you may get a situation where the Husky all of a sudden rolls back and they roll in, yeah. depending yeah. on what side. They may, instead of having the safety roll all the way across the field, they'll just simply adjust and mm-hmm. literally just kind of morph into a different scheme. Yeah. And I think they're just trying to figure out their best fits given down in distance or whatever situations they're in. So just to put a fine point on it, long story short, don't worry about the safety combinations at this point. Everyone is rotating through. I think they're just trying to get uh, their thoughts on various looks. With the safeties and the corners, do you anticipate with the season going, instead of having the two definitive starters playing most of the game, or do you see them rolling those guys in depending on different packages? 
I think it's different for the corners than the safeties because I don't think you're really rolling corners all that much. You know, usually they're out on the edge and that's what they do and that's what their responsibilities Let's, are. Whereas with the safeties, sometimes if you're blitzing, you'll have certain guys come up. If you're if you're in a third and long situation and you're playing a cover deep or you're or you're in a, a, a you know a shell of some sort, you know you might play different guys. I think it totally depends. I can totally see where the safeties don't necessarily have to run in pairs or in packs, whereas the corners there might be a little bit more of a situation where they like their number one guys to be in there as much as possible. I think it's pretty obvious that Perryman is the number one guy out there for corners. Is that uh, second corner spot? Is that locked down? I don't think it's completely locked down, uh, but Michelle Powell has basically been running opposite Jordan Perryman the whole time. So um, I think there's a chance that Devon Banks or Elijah Jackson could sneak in there and, and be the corner, but I think at this point it's Michelle Powell's to lose. So what I was getting at with Chris, do you see a situation where you're going to see Powell and Perryman there 90% of the time, or do you see them splitting those cornerbacks up quite a bit? You, you know, mean where, in a game? Yeah. Oh, I think it's going to be more than 90% of the time. I think as long as they're healthy and Michelle Powell wins the job, um, I I don't see them rotating him out unless – Something weird is going on, or, or, or they bring in the third cornerback for some schematic reason instead of the husky. Yeah, and that might be a down and distance situation as well. You might because again, you know, there may be situations where they bring in three down linemen, um, much like Washington did under Gregory last year. We saw that wrinkle. These guys are capable of having that wrinkle, um, you, and and when and when you do that, you take the husky out. Well, maybe they'll keep the third guy in, and they'll maybe even rotate another cornerback in instead of uh, one of the inside linebackers, for instance. So there's a number of different combinations that they can roll into down in distance. Um, until the, the game actually happens, um, I just don't see a situation where those corners are going to get rotated quite a bit because I think they want that continuity uh, out there on the edge compared to what you may see in the back end whether they're blitzing, whether they're coveraging, whatever they're whatever they're asked to do. And Scott, tell me if I'm, I'm seeing this correctly, but take a you know third corner, you know uh, Banks or um, Elijah Jackson. Yeah. It seems like Banks might be a little bit better in coverage and uh, Jackson a little bit more physical. Mm, yeah, maybe. Um, I think Banks is a little better with his off-ball coverage, maybe, and Jackson is more of the man-to-man guy. Get come up, get in your face, press because he's maybe a little bit stronger than Devon Banks. But um, I think both of those guys are gonna—they're they're obviously gonna play a lot. I mean, it's—they're gonna be your gunners on special teams most likely. They're probably gonna be your, um, you know, first or second DB off the bench. All those different things. So <clears throat> I think you will see. Um, I think if if we had to say, knock on wood, somebody got hurt, who's the first one off the bench? I think it's probably Devon Banks, but I don't think it's cut and dry. I would also say, too, that I think physically one of the guys that resembles Devon Banks is Dyson McCutcheon. And Dyson McCutcheon is a Husky. He's listed as a Husky. I have a feeling if their, if their depth at corner was a little bit better in terms of they felt more confident that they could roll an extra guy or two in, without any drop-off, I think Devon Banks could make an excellent Husky. 
Yeah. Because I see a lot of the same traits in terms of his football IQ and anticipation and those types of things. I see a lot of Miles Bryant. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, no, there's a lot of Miles Bryant in it. Because, and you see the picks. You see the production. You see all those kinds of things. Or an Elijah Molden. There's a lot of, there's a lot of those guys in Devon Banks. And attitude. Yeah, no, for sure. But no one's got more attitude in that group right now than Perriman. Perryman is just swagger central. No, it's, yeah. It, the battles between him and Odunze have been really good to watch. They've been fun. Yeah. Uh, wide receivers, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, I think the junior Alexander's made a step forward. He seems to be running yeah, better. Yeah, you, you have. Yeah, he seems to be running better than I remember him. Yeah, I, th- I was going to say, you, you mentioned, Scott, earlier you mentioned about Taj Davis, and you mentioned too. I, I, I thought this was the best practice I think Taj Davis has had. Mm-hmm. He showed up. But I'll tell you what, the other guy that showed up, he got banged around a little bit and just popped right up and kept going and made some plays down the field was Jalen Polk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Polk is starting to establish himself as that, I don't know who's going to be the third guy. Because really yeah. right now, Jalen McMillan is your slot. Yeah, Jalen McMillan is going to be your slot guy. And then it's going to be either Odunzi and Polk out wide. It could be Ataj Davis. You could see Giles Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. But Giles Jackson could be out there as one. But I love Giles Jackson, what he could do in the slot, yeah, too. Yeah, me too. Because he's killing guys out there. So when they maybe run like a find. double slot, do you yeah. have, I mean, I don't know how they're going to do it, but they have options now. Yeah. And that's something that they've sorely been missing. Well, they're I, also putting I, tight ends out. Yeah, there. I agree with you, though, Kim. I, I think Junior Alexander is going to have a big role in this. You know, if they're, let's say, throughout the season, they complete. 250, 300 passes, whatever. I don't know how many it's going to be. I'm just throwing out a number. I think Junior Alexander will have 20 to 30 receptions for like four or 500 yards and like six touchdowns this year. I think he's that kind of a receiver for him. And if if Sam at, or Sam Heward is the quarterback for any extended period of time, the comfort level between those two is going to come into play at some point. Is he the best at the 50-50 ball? I don't know. You saw, Man, Taj, I don't, you saw Taj Davis. Yeah, Taj Davis can go up and get it. I think Romo Dunsey can. I'm still not sold on Jalen McMillan yet. Um, who's, got the best vert, who's got the best vert in the group? Well, it's probably Jalen McMillan, yeah, but I, I just don't know if he's going to be that guy. Junior just seems like more physical, tough, and just more to go get that. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, it's had to be because yeah. he's not the fastest out no, there. No, he's not, but... He's an he's just an impressive kid. He's such a big personality too. It isn't yeah. it isn't just that he's a good receiver. He's got that big personality that you love to have in guys, and he's always joking around with guys. And he's only been here for gosh, what six months now, seven months, whatever it is. And boy, he just he he doesn't take long to get into a system and have people like him. And he's just one of those guys. I think it helps that he's home. Yeah, I mean, that, that probably there's and he already knew some comfort level quite a too. few of the guys on the team already. Sure. So this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Anything on defense jump out at you today? Um, Savelle <laughs> uh, had another yeah, sack. He did. I didn't see that. <laughs> that so, was yeah. nice. Yeah, I've been, um, I was talking to people on the sidelines about Savelle and how – Last year, the joke was people didn't 
were upset that we never talked about him, and and so, but we never had anything to talk about. And this year, there is stuff to talk about because he has looked good. He has made some splash plays, and I still think your top three edges are the guys we've talked about: Jeremiah Martin, Braylon Trice, ZTF. And Trice had a sack as well. And Trice did too. Yeah, I did see that one. But um, you know, Savella's right there. I don't think he's that far behind that group. And obviously, we haven't seen enough of him yet because we've only seen these six practices. But Sakai, a yeah. full Aswal. He's playing. Uh, he he pancaked Vic Kern, and he beat him twice on a one on one. And this was I was really I was he really psyched to see him, yeah. he bowled him over. Yeah, I was I was I was really anxious to see the one on ones with the offensive line, defensive line. I just don't pay attention to that side of the part of it's because we're far bats. away from it. Yeah. And Scott Huff made a good point when we talked to him today. He said, you know, essentially as long as they have full shoulder pads. Because they've cut out the cup blocking and stuff, it really is not that much different. Now, psychologically to those guys, they may feel it's a different ball game, or mentally they may be in it more because they're in full pads. But from a practical standpoint, things don't really change for them all that much. But I'll tell you what, watch that one-on-one uh, today between Sakai and Vic Kern. Um, he's got some juice in him. I expect him to be completely inconsistent this year. Because that's just it's just not fair uh, to expect a guy like that to all of a sudden just hit the ground running and go berserk on people. Um, but that said, they, he's had moments where he's really flashed, and um, it's been impressive because he's he's listed at what is he listed at two seventy five? Who's Sakai? Sakai. Yeah. Uh, no, two, I thought it was two sixty five. Okay, can, maybe I it's two sixty five. I'll tell you what he he wears it well and he uses it. Um, Vic Hearn. I don't know if Vic is. I don't know if he's struggling with. Um, you know, being banged up or something like that, but um, two seventy five is what he's listed. Yeah, but he's. he's yeah. Um, I just don't. I haven't seen him get bowled over like that before, and so that was that was unusual. But I give credit to Sakai because I thought he did a really nice job during those one on ones, and I don't know if he's going to get a lot of opportunities this year. I think he might roll, rotate in every once in a while, maybe get some mop up time. Um, but like him and Maurice Himes are the are the future. Right now, and I think both of them had to have moments. Um, today, though, it was Sakai. Had a chance to talk to offensive players and coaches today, Scott. Anything jump out at you post practice? Um, you know, I mean, we talked to Scott Huff. We just asked him about Roger Rosengarten, why he was the choice instead of maybe leaving Mateo Mele out there. And Scott Huff just said he was making it so that we couldn't keep him off the field. And we like his tools and all the things that he adds. He just needs experience and reps. And I asked him about, you know, and he said that this might be the best edge group that we've had since I've been here. And he's been here through some good players right. at, on the edge. Right. So for him to say that is pretty impressive. And he and I said he's really kind of struggled against those guys. Is is there a fine? What's the line that you have to work about getting him reps and and getting him better? against top competition but not killing his confidence. And Scott Huff said, I haven't seen one thing that that guy has lost any confidence yet. And he says, I t- keep an eye on it and, and everything, but I haven't seen anything yet that shows me he's losing confidence. He's getting better every day. Yeah, I'm seeing the same kinds of things in him that we saw early on with a guy like uh, Faltani yeah. last year or year before, yeah. where they're, where he's finding enough versatility, he's finding a way to get on the field, and he's finding a way to stick. And when um, Jackson Kirkland isn't uh, available, you know, their kid gloves and all that stuff with him, um, today wasn't unusual, according to Huff. It just sounds like they're, um, they're just, it's all part of the plan to keep him upright, keep him healthy. 
Um, Fautanu is the left tackle. And so when that happens, they move Nate Kalepo in left guard. And then the twos, it would be Bulo at left tackle and Memelar at left guard. So, you know, people should get, um, you know, kind of comfortable with the idea because Fautanu, he ran all spring at left tackle as well. So there is an opportunity for him to, to get some playing time there if need be. Uh, but if not, he will be the starting left guard too because right now, especially when I saw him go up against um, some of the guys in the one-on-ones, it was impressive, and he just grinds, and he's a gritty dude. And that's they need that guy in there. He, he is definitely one of the top five offensive linemen on this team. Anything, uh, anything jump out of the interviews post-practice, Chris? No, just I thought, you know, talking to Charles Jackson, you know, he, he's, he's got kind of an infectious personality a little bit, and he talked about some of the things he did in the offseason to get better, which I thought he had some interesting techniques that I think he kind of stumbled upon, didn't really think about it too much until I think he literally said he was at a target, and all of a sudden he saw some things like, how am I be able to use those things to be able to Yeah, the to, whiteboards, to right? Yeah, yeah, to do some chalk talks and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, just working on X's and O's in the offseason. And, and he's setting goals. Yeah, He's got certain goals. goals that he wants to hit. Yeah, and, and so the, that was good. We'll obviously have stuff with him later. Um, but obviously, talk to talk to Huff, and you talked to Nick Sheridan, Kim. Talked to Nick, and he talked about just the maturity of Devin Culp because it seems like Devin's t- turning it up yeah. a notch, you know. Yeah. And when you become, you know, the end of your career is coming close, you tend to pick it up a little bit. And he talked about that with Devin as well as Jack Westover. Had a chance to talk to Henry Bainavalu, who talked about, you know, how hard of a decision was it for him to come back because his injuries have not been fun. So he's dropped some weight. He talked a little bit about that and looks the healthiest we've seen him in a long, long time. And then had a chance to talk to Sam Heward, and uh, Sam's a, Sam's a pretty bright, articulate guy. So, you know, he's just always going to be positive. He talked about Junior Alexander. He talked about the you know the throw to Taj Davis, and uh, you know, so it's always good to one, talk to Sam. One thing I forgot to add when I back getting back to Scott Huff, um, I don't know if you were over there when I asked the question, Chris, but I asked him, you know, what is the h- hardest thing for a freshman yes, offensive lineman like, to come yeah, in? Yeah. And I said. Is it technique? Is it speed of the game? What What is it that you're looking for? And he says, well, a lot of it depends on what kind of offense they came from and what kind of offense we're running. What did you say? He came from a wing tee? He came from a it? wing tee. Yeah, he and he goes, and then tee. they throw me in there against uh, pass rushers, and you know, I'm not used to blocking for pass. Isn't that part of the recruiting protection. process? Yeah, I know. I mean, so, what did you think about that? But, but, you know, it's just all these different things. You know, how prepared are these kids for it? Their maturity level. He said it's a little of everything. That's hard for these guys because it's a transition. You're playing against guys who are four and five years more mature than you physically. Um, and the, the difference between an 18-year-old and a 22-year-old is a lot different than the difference between a 23-year-old and a 27-year-old physically. Yeah. You're, yes, there's still probably going to be a physical difference, but it's not the gap that 18 to 22 is. Right. I also um, spoke a little bit with Richard Newton, and so it was good to talk to Rich. And he kind of gave some insight as to kind of the process of coming back and getting hurt and um, kind of the things that he's had to do. So that was really good to talk to him. And you could tell he's not necessarily still 100% yet, but he's he's working his way back in. And I know he had I know he had the yellow shirt on the very, very first practice, but ever since he's been rolling through and trying to get as many reps as he can. So 
former players at practice today um, and uh, former coach Randy Hart was there yeah. today. Always good to see Coach Hart. He still scares me. Um, Tim um, uh, Tim, Cow Tim Cowan was there and I talked a little bit about quarterback stuff with Tim and I was asking him about throwing angles and arm slots and stuff like that but he said he was more focused on their footwork so mm -hmm. it's always interesting to talk to Tim uh, Mark Bruner was there again today and instead of wearing the Pittsburgh Steeler clothing he was wearing his Washington clothing yeah. so guess where he's headed tomorrow yeah, where's he heading? Oregon. Yeah. So, oh, really? Yeah, he's heading down there to do so, some so scouting. So. For those who don't know, uh, you know, Mark's been employed by the Pittsburgh Steelers for Basic, a long, long basically time. Basically since he retired. Yeah, as a scout. So he loves the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. They've been really, really good to him. Did he Did he retire as a Steeler? Yes. Yeah, because yeah, he, he did Pittsburgh, and then he did five seasons at Houston, and then I think he signed like a one-day contract okay, so he could retire. with Pittsburgh okay. so he could retire. Yeah. Um, like KJ, uh, what K.J. Wright yeah. did. Last practice, we're able to attend. Um, so um, uh, they're going to have a scrimmage on Saturday where we won't be there. We'll be up here Thursday, Friday for um, well, media stuff. And we'll be here on Saturday for media, and that's when we might get an answer. Yeah, well, we'll that's the one. That's the next time we get a chance to talk to Kaylin DeBoer. So hopefully we'll we'll get an update on um, on Ale and um, you know and, and try to see if we can. Get some more insight on, on kind of exactly what happened. There. Sunday is an open practice to the public. Practice open to the public, but walk through. Yeah, but no, it's going to be a walk through. You're not going to see any contact or anything uh, because that's the day after a scrimmage. And, so, then, pic and then picture day after, which starts day. at what time? Uh, it's after practice, so it's sometime between 11, 11 30. So I would just, if you're planning to come down, just get there between 10 30 and 11 if you don't want to watch the walkthrough. And then uh, you guys can get down on the field right after that. All right. Just final thoughts, Scott. I'm going to be bringing my boys to it, so I'm I'm kind of excited to. It's their it'll be their second picture day, and they're all excited about it. Um, as far as uh, I mean, kind of a damper with the Ulumuale injury, but um, you know, we'll see. We don't want to speculate on what you know how long he's going to be out or anything like that. But um, kind of a damper, but still, I thought I thought it was a great back and forth uh, for the day. You know, the being in the red zone, the offense was able to pick things up. You know, people were concerned that Washington hadn't installed red zone yet. You know, and Kalen DeBoer said that last time we talked to him. But, um, you know, they, they've, they've installed stuff now because they're, they were doing it, and I thought the offense held its own throughout the day today. It was fun seeing the guys getting some pops today. Um, JV on Sunday had that run down the sidelines where he and uh, – I don't know who it was who hit him, but uh, they they were talking a little mess to each other afterwards. So it was it was kind of fun to watch that. And Javion got some work with the twos today, which I yeah. thought was was good for him. Final thoughts, Chris? Um, yeah, I, I'll echo a lot of what Scott said in terms of um, you know Ollie's injury certainly put a damper on um, what was going on, and it was a really spirited practice up to that point, both inside and outside. Um, it really did take the air out of kind of yep. everybody's sails. They switched sides of the field. Well, they had to yeah. so that he had time to be able to to to, to, to get him off the field. Um, and really, from that moment on, there really wasn't a big play. Or even though they, you know, eventually by the very end of practice, they were kind of back into the groove a little bit. Um, it was just tough to kind of regain the momentum because it was a tough, uh, tough thing to watch. So. Um, hopefully he's fine. Hopefully he'll come back no problem. But, you know, obviously uh, we'll get a chance to talk to Kalen DeBoer on Saturday and find out a little bit more. Other than that, though, I thought they were on track to have the best, you know, practice that they'd had so far at camp, especially offensively. 
Last day of practice that we'll be able to attend, but that doesn't mean we're not going to have coverage. We'll have coverage pretty much every day. We've we got get media availability. Yeah, we've so. got media availability, and we've still got a lot of stuff going on in the background. Uh, just a reminder, if you're looking for those regular updates as well as breaking news alerts, just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. Again, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. Uh, we're done with the promo that we were running. Probably won't be running one for a while, but that doesn't mean we don't have a good deal going on. Um, it's 100 bucks a year for Dogman. Com, and if you pay that 100 bucks and you pay the full freight, you get something you don't get if you do the promo. You get Paramount Plus included in your subscription, and there's a lot of good stuff coming up on Paramount Plus. So 100 bucks a year for Dogman.com, and after the seven-day trial period, you will have access to Paramount Plus. So tell your wife that you're buying Paramount Plus for her. You don't need to tell her about yeah. the Dogman thing. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm, I'm on Paramount Plus. And I watched The Offer. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but that's the making of, that's the basically the story of the making of The Godfather. Yeah. It's really, really good. Yeah. Really lots, good. Lots of good stuff on Paramount Plus. Like I said, you pay full freight on that. And if you're a current yearly subscriber, not on the promo, make sure you <coughs> sign up for that. It's a great perk. It's a yep. great benefit. So, uh, hey, for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. <laughs>